Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. Sorry about the super casual intro to the video, but I didn't do an intro with the interviewee this time because it's with my boy Jason Miller, and whenever we talk, it's just like two friends talking, and it would have been super awkward to be like, Jason, let's stop and let me get into my super professional, wannabe professional interviewer mode. Like, this video topic is highly, highly requested. It's about the sorcery of Hecate, and 100% disclaimer, I'm a student of the course and I've actually taken it the past two cycles and I recommend it to everybody. I think it's an amazing course for any new witch or just anybody who wants to deepen their magical practice. Also, there is a scholarship. You're gonna have to wait to get into the course if you win the scholarship, but there is a Witches and Wine and Sorcery of Hecate joint scholarship. I know, it's super exciting. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy. See you later. Mm. Now, is she Hecate or Hecate? Oh goodness, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I would imagine that it, it's pronounced different ways at different times. Um, I was always told Hecate, sometimes I will slip into Hecate. Um, however, uh, I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar or a Latin scholar, and, you know, we're talking about a goddess that had been worshipped for hundreds of years in different regions where pronunciations differ, uh, worshipped again in Rome, you know, appears as part of the, the Chaldean oracles all the way up into the second century AD. And so to nail it down and say, yes, this is the correct thing, I'm, I, I stay out of that game. And I'm always reminded of, uh, of a story from Tibet where a scholar is traveling and he ends up having to stay the night at this yogi's hut, this guy who's not very well educated and just pra but practices all the time. And, you know, he's got this very intense magical practice and he's saying his mantra all night long and the scholar knocks on his door and says, you know, you're, you're saying that wrong. And he corrects his pronunciation and the yogi, of course, is like, oh, goodness, you know, I'm saying it wrong. I'm so stupid. You'll have to forgive me. And then the next morning, the scholar is on his way. He's on a boat. And running up alongside the boat, walking on the water, comes the yogi. And he's literally like doing the Jesus thing, but he's running alongside the boat. And he's doing this, of course, because of his magical mantra power. And he says to the scholar, I'm so stupid. I forgot already how to correctly do my practice. How do you say it? And the scholar's like, just never mind. You know, where does the accent fall? I don't know. My course, I pronounce things as I heard them, as they've been pronounced to me, but I also went ahead and got uh, Magisa, who's a native Greek speaker and someone who also has studied ancient Greek to do a lot of the pronunciations for people if they want to get down that road. And it's been looked at by several other people who teach Greek in college and, and uh, cleaned up a bit here and there. I've taken the course. I've taken a couple of Jason's courses, and what I really like about all the courses that I've taken so far is that there's a lot of hardcore info and hardcore practice. Like, I think somebody who is intermediate and advanced would get so much out of it, but also a beginner can jump into it and not feel completely lost. And a lot of it, too, is I think a lot of beginners get really hung up about these little details, like, what's the correct pronunciation? Because we are going to do in the class a lot of stuff in Greek, uh, in foreign languages. Um, so it's really easy to get hung up on little things, but I like your, your philosophy of do the best you can, 
but just keep going. That's pretty much it. We're, we're, we're trying to be sorcerers. You know, I, I'm not academically accredited to give uh, degrees in Attic Greek out to anyone. So we got to keep our mind on what we're here for. I have to say that I knew nothing about Hecate or Hecate until I heard about your course. So I think a lot of people who are already in that sort of witchy magical scene have maybe heard about her. If somebody who is not in that magical world was in an elevator with you and was like, oh, you know, so what do you do? Oh, I teach a course called Sorcery of Hecate. Who's Hecate? Ooh, yeah. the elevator pitch for Hecate. <laughs> <laughs> Hecate is uh, a goddess connected strongly with magic and witchcraft. One of the earliest goddesses thought of as a goddess of magic and witchcraft, but also so much more. And that attempts to pin her down uh, to just one thing are difficult, yet she survives. This this goddess who uh, has possible Anatolian origins that we've, we're still trying to figure out appears in Greek as a titan who sides like Helios, sides with the gods and thus doesn't lose anything, and becomes a goddess of childbirth, a goddess of opening the ways, a goddess who has access to the underworld, and then later becomes this goddess of night and sorcery and witchcraft and, and uh, is appealed to by, uh, by Medea um, on behalf of Jason. And, you know, is, it becomes this goddess of, of curses and defixiones and things like that. And then all of a sudden is, again, lifted up as this figure of transcendence who exists between the first and second fathers in this sort of pagan Gnostic uh, scheme set forth in the Chaldean oracles and still doesn't go away, still gets mentioned you know, centuries later by Shakespeare. Uh, you know, what are Scottish witches doing praying to Hecate? Uh, you know, why would this even be a thought? And so her presence is just always there. It, it's beyond just her figure at any given point in time. And she speaks to me, has spoken to me, and gave me something that she wanted to teach. It's meant for those who really want to work at something, who want to develop not just having the knowledge of spells, but the powers of a witch, you know, the powers of a sorcerer or a sorceress. And that's what the Sorcery of Hecate is all about. Unlike some things in magic where the attraction is, do this, it's easy, say these words, light this candle, and you'll get your thing. This is hard. <laughs> so it's the opposite of a lot of things. This is hard. My first time contacting Hecate was the chanting of, of uh, an Orphic hymn uh, to, to Hecate. Um, so there's a link to the past, but we sh this is not Reconstructionism at all. Um, we're, not, we're not playing dress up. We're not trying to, be, uh, to reconstruct anything. The, the assumption is that she is ever-growing, that she is ever-moving beyond, beyond. When people ask, sort of, what's the final goal? Like, other than magical power, mystically speaking, what's the goal? You know, Buddhists have enlightenment, and they have different definitions, and, and Christians have salvation and heaven and different definitions of what this means. What is the final outcome? of, you know, someone on the, the Hecatean path of this arcana. And, uh, you know, I asked her. <laughs> I, I sat down and, and did the writing commune, and, and the answer I got, um, it was, I'm not done yet, and neither are you. <laughs> like, don't worry about that. You have, you have a trajectory, not a goal. This, we're headed further beyond. I have this friend who was like, well, you know, I only want to work with the old gods because they're established. And then I posed the question to him, well, do you think that they've stayed the same? You know, you don't think that over the thousands of years they haven't evolved as well. So they've also adapted to the modern age. I mean, if you change, how come they can't change either? People in the magic community, 
it's all, all it almost seems like there's a split the super traditionalists and the ones who are just like super new stuff honestly there there needs to be a goldilocks zone there uh, where people don't get caught up into either uh you know people want to either ignore the past it doesn't mean anything it only means whatever cockamamie thing i come up with now versus uh you know oh this is written this is established this is thousands of years old like yeah and it's been sealed in a jar for a thousand years it's not like it's been tested and and worked the whole time it's you know it was just found there's sort of a goldilocks point where it has to be just right like those two forces have to be held together I, I just recently I was talking with somebody about demonic hierarchies and the grimoires, right? You know, and they all have these different hierarchies of hell. Who's in charge? Yeah. Who's a president? Who's over who? And and so he's like really obsessing, like what's what's what? What who? Which one is correct? Where where are these offices? And I say, you know. We switch presidents. We have elections every four years. What makes you think that these offices weren't just where they were at the time and place that this book was written and that they're all possibly incorrect or maybe they're all correct? And it just changes that fast. And maybe you have to find out what the current uh, org chart of hell looks like. <laughs> and it was... It was like watching someone's brain melt as the, as the as they entertained momentarily the idea that they would have to actually make contact and figure this out for themselves rather than decide which book they liked that. The Sorcery of Hecate course that you run, it has definitely a basis in, you know, Hecate being a, an ancient goddess, but there's it's new transmission that you receive. So people who are taking it, expecting to learn all the history, the very traditional ways of doing it, that's not what your course is about. Honestly, the whole thing came about in such an implausible way. Uh, I was in Nepal in uh, 2000, 1999, 2000, and I was meditating at Pashupatinath, where they burn bodies outside like they do in Varnasi. And so I was just sitting for days watching people get cremated. And um, this vision of Hecate walking up to me, sort of everything else fell away. And she said, you're going in more than just going back to the States. You're going back to the Western magical practices. I mean, just to build context, you were in Nepal. Yep. And what were you doing in Nepal? I was studying Tibetan Buddhism and magic of the Himalayas. Um so I was there taking initiations and, and meditating in cremation grounds and, and getting bonked on the head with lots of, you know, purbas and things. And um, What are they called, purbas? Purba, you know, the three-sided dagger. So I'm guessing that at that point you were going hard. Yeah, you know, I... I Right, and, and, you know, like, Hikate was not on my mind. <laughs> and it was kind of like, sure, sure, whatever, please me, return me back to regular programming so I can continue my meditation. I thought this was just meditational weirdness, right? And so a few months later, uh, I am headed home, and I had decided for a number of reasons that I did want to uh, not leave Tibetan Buddhism behind or anything, but that I did want to devote more time and open myself back up to uh, a wider world of magical practice, we'll call it. So I followed her instructions. I, she said, offer me a supper. And so I went to the Pine Barrens to a three-way crossroad. I had to have a friend of mine teach me a little bit about Hikate, um, and and so I offered some eggs and, and some honey and some wine and read her chant. And uh, I had that vision again. And she appeared in a different form, this this six-legged, six-armed form. And uh, four other spirits appeared that were guardians of this arcana that she wanted me to teach. And she gave names that were, you know, at the time I thought total nonsense. And the, the heads 
uh, made no sense, and, and I wrote about them in Protection Reversal Magic. But it was, you know, it was real enough that I wanted to work with it. So I worked with a few people, and they got results. And then somebody had pointed out to me that in the Chaldean uh, oracles, there's a form of Hecate that has the same heads as the spirits that appear. And that was sort of like, okay, there's more going on here than just me having phantasmagoric visions and brain farts. And so I uh, continued to, to do this practice as it evolved over time. And it took literally years of getting stuff, testing it. I would occasionally publish things in Bahutet magazine and then kind of should get mad and be like, I told you no. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I would, I had in my head, I wanted to do this book and she was adamant. No book. <laughs> Don't want a book. And this is the early 2000s. So everybody is producing now these beautiful, hard bound English, you know, limited edition grimoires. There's only 800. They're bound in unicorn scrotum. And they cost, you know, it just seemed like the thing to do and it would be so cool. And she's adamant, no, no books. Um, and so I, I, I gave out the teachings as they existed then to a few people here in New Jersey live. And they, they very much appreciated it. But even that, she's like, not ready yet. Don't take it off the stove. It's not ready. Um, when Protection and Reversal Magic came out, there were certain things that she what wanted known that? for the for that book. My first book. Oh, what year uh, did that book come out? 2006. So it was like a good at least three or four years after you first made contact? But even then, like teaching the arcana as an arcana was a no-go. And it, it took several more years. And of course, I wasn't spending all my time on this. I had other things that I wanted to, to learn and teach. But slowly over time, and then uh, I guess it was about three years ago, uh, I launched the Sorcery of Hecate course. And I opened it only to people that had already taken my strategic sorcery course. So I had a group of people that would give me the benefit of the doubt if things went horribly wrong. And kind of knew me already. They knew that, you know, I might be late with a lesson, but they would get it, you know. <laughs> and um, it, it went beautifully. And then the next cycle, I opened it up to everyone. And it's been, now we're about to launch onto the seventh cycle. And people are more excited about it now than they were when it opened. One of the main draws that I had to this course was that it's actually building a system. You call it a mandala, and I still don't know what that means, but it's like an actual <laughs> system. It's, it, you're building almost like a sim, uh, I call it like a sim city, you know? Um, yeah. But it's like a Hecate city. Yeah. You're, it's, it's a temple, you know? It's a temple that exists uh, in, the, in the place where you're doing it. It's a temple that exists outside the place where you're doing it, and you're kind of merging those together. And it's a, temp it's a temple that exists in the mind as well. So that's why when people have said, well, is it evocation or is it invocation? I said, it's transvocation. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I, I have to give credit where credit's due. I think uh, Andrew Chumley came up with that term first, and I, I just happened to like it. Um, but... It, and, and I don't claim to mean what he means by it. I just borrowed the word because it's a, it's a good one. This is the only course where I don't publish the lesson list ahead of time for people that want to join because it wouldn't make any sense until you've had the previous lessons. And it is a thing where you'll, you know, you'll get a lesson and be like, unless you've really gotten to a comfortable place with this material, don't do this one yet. And then occasionally it'd be like, you know, it, things get really intense and then there's some lessons where it's like, all right, let's back it down a little bit, keep working on that, and now we can learn how to make this and do this and, and you know, you don't need anything 
So it, it's got a real rhythm to it where people, you know, the first lesson people start out like, is that it? And then the second lesson, like, okay, that's, that's a little more than I was bargaining for. And then third lesson is like, okay, wow. <laughs> and yeah. then it's, you know, it gets progressively more and more in depth, but with, with a few pullbacks and, and twists along the way. Like each lesson builds on top of the other. So you can't just skip. And yeah. like you get a lesson and you're basically working it for about two weeks, right? So like one week and then you get Q&A and then there's another yeah. way to sort of integrate it. So yeah. you take your time building the foundations. You do. And, and, but by the end of the course, many people, if not most people say they need more time. Um, and so I let people retake it for free. So when people are in, say, session six, they can join the next cycle if they really, if they need to kind of retake it or refresh. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, then there's, there's an additional part, Hecate 2, where we get more into next what level. you can do once this is all established. Yeah, so how long is this course for? This is not just for like eight weeks, right? This is for months. The first part is seven months, the second part is six months, and then there's a, a society that people can join if they complete both parts. Uh, that costs nothing. It's, it's just, it's sort of like a, a place to land where you can talk with other people who have had the same training because you've gone through a fairly intense training and you have a common set of skills. That's a powerful thing. I'm always fascinated when a very strong female goddess makes contact with a man. You know, it's like Peter Gray with Babylon and you with Hecate. Why did Hecate choose you? I don't think it had anything to do with my maleness. I was in a position to have some success teaching magic to others. In Philadelphia, before I left, I ran a group. Now I think it's a lodge for the OTO. Uh, not a member anymore, but still proud that they're still around. And taught a lot of magic to a lot of people there. And I had excellent teacher in Buddhist magic uh, in John Mearden Reynolds, uh, Lama Vajrana who is uh, a, a personal friend since I was a teenager. And so I had sort of a, a fast pass in the world of, of Tibetan Tantra. And a lot of the tech used in the sorcery of Hecate, it's not Hecatean Tantra, and she's very... I'm, we're, I'm adamant that people don't treat it like that. And by Tantra, you don't but, mean like the sex Tantra and doing like 25 positions. No, 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 no. The magical style uh, and, and religious practice around Tantra and, and Buddhist Tantra specifically. So there's elements of that that are really were vital for someone to understand if, if they were going to do to be the one to receive this arcana from Hikata to understand how this particular type of magic functions, you needed to kind of have a foot in both worlds. And I did. In the Buddhist world, you have a lot of people that aren't interested in magic. They, they want to follow around lamas, and they want to collect teachings, and occasionally they want to do practices. They want to become enlightened, which is fine, which is great, but they're not interested in the magical aspects of it per se. And, and they also don't connect it with the teachings of the West, the magical teachings that are already existent in the Western magical tradition, in witchcraft, in paganism, and even in African-based um, traditions like hoodoo, which I have you know a, a good background in since I was a teenager. So this kind of um, skill set, I guess, was sought after, and, and Hikate had this thing to teach, and sort of said, you know, you've got all the pieces in your skull that can 
put this together the way I need it put together. To be clear, I mean, part of it is some of it comes through as absolute clear voice. Some of it comes through as an inspiration of do something with this and then I have to do something with it. And then some of times it comes through and I do something with it and it's wrong. <laughs> and I, you know, it gets thrown back at my face and I'll, I'll uh, you know, I had to go back and retry. All of this was work, but for whatever reason, I, you know, I happen to have that cross set of skills necessary to do this. And I guess that's why she picked me. That makes sense. You had liminal uh, skill sets. I was not so devoted to Tibetan stuff that I was entering a shedra and learning Tibetan, and yet I was deep into the magic style. And, and I'll also, I do my work. You know, I, I, I do the magic that I talk about. So there's that. So you actually have done every single lesson. Like you built this thing up with Hecate and you did everything. And then finally, when everything clicked, then you were just like, or Hecate was just like, all right, Jason, go for it. Yes. And there are parts of it that are still still evolving that, that I'll teach in like one shot stuff to people who have uh, completed both parts. So we'll you know we'll eventually have some things uh, like that after after the course. But the basic structure of it is is there and is done. Before I took your course, I decided because you know like it's a hundred dollars a month pretty sizable investment. So I decided I was going to research everything I could about Hecate or Hecate. Uh, so I went on YouTube. There's a shit ton of videos from just everybody and their dog about Hecate right now. And almost every single video made her out to be a really ugly hag who's super scary. One guy, he was talking about how Hecate came to him like kind of in a dream state and he had never been so terrified in his life. Like she spoke and her voice instilled fear in him. And I gotta say, there was a part of me that was just like, ooh, spooky. But there was also another part of me that was just like, I don't know if I can totally relate to that. But this Hecate that we're working with is a little bit different. Well, you know, as, as you know, we work with a couple, there's a main aspect and there's a couple different aspects where, you know, there are some aspects where we turn the volume up on that that atavistic part of Hippate, for sure. Another aspect we work with that is very saviorous, you know. Um, the, however, Hippate was not largely this horrific... She certainly was never a crone, um, as she gets labeled a lot in, in neo-paganism. She was very often a young goddess, a beautiful goddess, not widely known uh, as an amorous goddess. So she's not one that you have like, you know, you can connect her. There are some scholars that connect her as, uh, you know, having relations with Hermes and, and others uh, relations with, with Porkis, the, the sea monster. But in general, you know, this is a compassionate goddess. This is a goddess who would literally possess the bodies of women to protect the city. They would, they would have a young virgin sacrificed, and she would literally take hold of, of this woman's body, the young virgin's body, to absorb the pain and so on of sacrifice. There are aspects that are this dark, startling thing there are this uh, aspects that are this very transcendent otherness that that uh can be difficult to relate to at times and then there are also this these very imminent very earthy kind of like accessible goddess who is not terrible at all at first i think a lot of witches we're told that a goddess is just one way. Like when we think about Venus, we mainly think of Venus like in a specific sort of like gorgeous, glamorous, and she's just, I don't know, like just love goddess, right? But now that I've learned more about Venus, there's many aspects to Venus as well. I, I wrote about it on Instagram. There's like Venus Luxuria and Venus Voluptas, different aspects, just like a woman. You know, we often talk about the many different sides of a woman and many different archetypes within the same woman. 
So it makes sense to me now, of course. Hecate is just like all women, very complicated. There's like a wrathful side, but there's also that very nurturing side as well. You know, I mean, this is a goddess who was invoked to protect homes and, and, and invoked to protect the cities at, 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 and towns at, at the rim roads. This is, uh, you know, a goddess who's a goddess of childbirth, who, who protects mothers giving birth. Absolutely multifaceted. And, you know, I always point out that if one looks at Venus or Aphrodite as purely this loving love goddess thing, you ignore the fact that probably no god or goddess can be traced as the starter of more wars <laughs> than, than she was. So it's, you know, it's, it's never that simple. It's never that two-dimensional. You know, the dark side of the desire to be the master of of knowing all these gods and goddesses, of being eclectic and being able to run around to this and that and this and that and this and that, is never really spending time getting to know one figure, one goddess, and instead coming up with this soup that you can easily throw them into categories. Oh, Venus, love, boom. Jupiter, money, boom. Uh, you know, Aries, war, oh, rock. We, you know, and so it's it's not that simple ever. By this course, it takes over months and months and months to build the Hecate city. Is that we're exploring all the different sides of Hecate, and all her, you know, all of her. I would say like her crew, her her yeah. entourage. Many many different spirits. So so the same, you know, the same goddess that that can hang with the fates, can hang with the graces and and the furies. And so these are, um, you know, these are significantly different powers, but as a liminal goddess. This was another thing that I could totally relate to as a woman, which is, first of all, Hecate is complicated, many different sides, and depending on which group she's with and her entourage or crew, like when you're hanging out with like your work buddies, like the three girls that you have lunch with you're different than if you're hanging out with like the girls you go clubbing with different sides of hecate but also different friend groups but they're all still the same woman still the same goddess let's talk a little bit more about the actual course so let's say that you're really new at magic is this course appropriate for you you know i'm gonna go ahead and say yes because there have been a few people who are very new at magic that have taken the course and have done well and in fact in some ways, they have less that they have to unlearn and get rid of. So there's a Q&A for a reason. And sometimes I'll go for an hour and a half answering questions. And if you're serious enough to ask the question, I, you know, only once have in, in any cycle have I had to limit the questions because, you know, uh, it was just getting too crazy. You know, I would say that if you're a brand new person, if there's a, something you don't know because I used a term that I think most people with, say, a year or two of experience in the magical community would know, then just ask for clarification. Either in the group, if it's a basic question and somebody there will answer, there's senior students in every cycle now, which is awesome, makes my life easier. Uh, and... Then there's also me, the bi-weekly Q&As, where I'll answer the question. I'm thinking about me about a year and a half, two years ago, where I was just still straight up hardcore atheist, and I was like, magic is a psychological model. Maybe I wouldn't have been ready for Hecate. What do you think? If you were open enough to try it without demanding it adhere to that, then it would have had the same effects that, say, your Jupiter work did. Sort of like, okay, this worked. You know, why did this work? Because ultimately it doesn't matter. She doesn't need you to believe in her. It's not a faith-based thing. You know, I, I always say you don't need to believe in your car for it to start. You just need to get in, assume that it's really there. <laughs> And, uh, and, and turn the key and, and get it to work. And so the models for atheists and things like that 
the they're only problematic if they start tweaking how magic's done to adapt to them. What makes it different from a lot of other magic courses that I had taken before was that in the previous courses and other courses, I was told, oh, you know, make the make the ritual your own. Add in your own little touch. You want to put in red flowers, put in red flowers. You want white, put in white. You don't want to use candles, don't worry about it. For your course, so you're just like, do it exactly as I tell you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't change anything. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, there are some things. But then, you know, it's funny, too. Like, I get the structure around, and then I say, well, here's where you can insert a spell or, or, or something like that. And then people would be like, whoa, 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 what, what spell? And I'd be like, you know, open up 5,000 spells, you know? You want to do a petition? Do a petition. You want to do a candle spell? Do a candle spell. You can actually insert that into this structure and have it sort of supercharged in, 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 in certain ways. So, so there's some freedom here and there once you learn how to do it. It's sort of, well... We were talking about martial arts earlier. It's a little bit like you have to learn the form. You have to learn the kata. You have to learn how to do this. Once you do, you can put your flourish on it. You can, you know, switch out a move for another move when needed. And ultimately, the whole course is really about learning one ritual. For somebody who's new, this is great. Because instead of feeling overwhelmed, like, oh, my God, you know, do I have to, like, do this or that it's like you follow the directions and then of course you're gonna have questions and this is why you give us like a week to do it after you give us a lesson and then we just throw at you every single question that we have um, and like you record your answers and then we get the Q&A and then each round there's of course different people and different questions so yeah. the Q&A from round five that I started in very different from the Q&A's in round six and each lesson has their Q&A and so in that sense, it's like you do the same lesson, but because the Q&A is ever evolving, you're always learning something new. And then you're just like, holy shit, this is a lot more deeper and more intense. Like every time I listen to lesson one, I get something new out of it. And, and it's funny, the, the do what I say and do it this way, there are, there are people who come at it with like 20 years of experience of 20 years of having been told, do whatever you feel doing even just the five minute chanting every day of like, even if you're doing this on the toilet, just do this every day. So you don't lose the connection. And they're like, you know, but, but it's not what I want to do. It's not from my special place of individualness. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's not a mirror reflection of who you are right now. And if that's all you want, you don't need to, pay anyone for that so that's you know you that's not something you learn what does our hecate look like <laughs> um well you know there are other forms but the main form we work with she's youthful appears with three faces appears with six arms uh and six legs in kind of a dancing posture she's holding various implements dagger vase Serpent, torches, of course she's always, you know, got the torches. A saffron Greek dress. I always tell people when they do drawings of her, I'm like, we're not trying to make like either a baba boom goddess with boobs everywhere, you know, like, nor are we trying to make something not that, just how a real woman would look. If she were to have three faces, six <laughs> arms, and six legs. A lot of people have now done artist renderings of this, and, and you could see Cat Lunos or, or any of the various images I throw up on Strategic Sorcery. When I'm promoting the course, I always, you know, for like every post I make about her, I throw up somebody else's art. Because visualization is a big part of it, and actually every single day, like the minimum is you have to visualize her, and you have to do her mantra. Right. Um, but a lot of people are just like, I suck at visualization. So the visual part of it is something that doesn't come easily for everyone. However, if you have, you know, you can post up the image and do the mantra in, while looking at it. 
and then close your eyes at a certain point and simply focus on other aspects the, the sound the 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 presence that you have when you know somebody is standing in front of you even if you you know were blindfolded or you, or you couldn't see them and it, even if you can't immediately generate any of that keep to the mantra keep to the liturgy clear the mind and things come through uh, an interesting thing that happens at the beginning of, of every cycle is we have some people that have instant phantasmagoric yeah. experiences of, you know, I saw her and she danced, she poured the water from the jug into the, my crown chakra and I opened up and like all kinds of like crazy stuff, you know. And then other people get discouraged and they say, well, I did this and I didn't see anything. I couldn't even visualize it. It's not a, you know. And so, as you know, my answer is, and I actually now have made a special comment to send out to every cycle because this is so common. Everyone has work to do. The people that have this kind of close your eyes and you're in a wonderland of strange deity occultness, you got those people have to dial it back. <laughs> And they really have to kind of cut through this surface level experience, which is really, you know, it's it's 90% projection and being kind, it's 10% perception of something real. Um, and I'm that way too. So I get it. You know, it's not a criticism. It's every experience we have, real or subtle, is this mix of perception and projection. And what this course tries to do is, over the course of months, is to clarify that. Let's what sort of results can I see after, let's say, a month, after two months, after three months? Well, it depends on what you apply it to. Um, the first ones, I would say, would be the sorceress results. Uh, right away, you know, pretty soon, uh, people can start to apply what they've learned towards things in their life as far as obstacles to overcome, boons, that blessings that they want to create and, and, and uh, manifest. These things can all uh, be a thing. So that's number one, is, is a stable way of, of doing magic with powers that you are intimately familiar with and that you have a relationship with. Um. And that builds in power over time. The next thing is uh, a clarity about self, about life, the universe and everything, uh, as Douglas Adams would say. And the knowing of, the, of oneself, not only in terms of who you are and where you're from, but the idea that there is so much yet to come, it, it is this uh, tool for, for knowing yourself and also knowing what is beyond the self. And, you know, I think all of us in the class, at one point, we've skipped a day, maybe accidentally, we thought, whatever. And there's a way to fix it. Like you're supposed to do it every single day, right? It's almost like every day you're, you're building like this thread and it keeps building, 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 but life happens. You, you skipped a day. You were sick. You skipped a week. Life happened. You skipped five years. You can still fix it, right? You can still fix it. Um, there is a reparation process where you say, you know, a lot of mantras and, and you make offerings and so on. But what's important to know is that it's not an apology. No one's mad at you. It's it's repairing a thread that is broken. It, you know, if, if you drop a vase and it cracks in half, the vase isn't angry with you. But if you want to put flowers in it, you have to glue it back together. And so the thread of Hecate missing the, the practice, missing the mantra, 
you're breaking the thread of daily practice that builds what we're trying to build. It's not a matter of, oh, Hecate's going to be angry with me and now she's going to cause problems for me in my life. That doesn't happen. This is not the um, Christian God who's like, right, disappointed like, in you. Right, yeah. She's, she's like, the sun is not angry at you because you stayed inside today. <laughs> it's, it's, it's simply the fact that you didn't get any sun. Um, so if you want to build a great tan, then you've got to start over. Um, so it's, it's like that. You, you're built, rebuilding a thread. You're repairing a thread that you broke. You're not groveling in front of some angry deity. Um, so I want to get that clear with folks. I mean, I've, I've done the reparations many a time. It's like 40 minutes. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And then once a month, we do something special during the dark moon. What do we do? What do we do? <laughs> oh, right. We, uh, we offer a supper. And we, we do sort of a, a full ritual that many people do every day. But it's a more extensive ritual. It's got a physical offering. So some people make the full physical offering every day of eggs and honey. Now she's not a dark goddess as in that's the whole of her nature, but it is certainly a part of her nature. So there is that aspect um, where you're at this place where it's dangerous to go outside. It, it's not well lit, <laughs> uh, but it is also where you can see the, the sun and the moon for all their brightness obscures the stars. And, and so if you want to see into the depths of space, and there's a certain resonance with the depths of space and that which lies outside the solar system of the, the sun and the planets there's a resonance between that and the underworld as well. Um, those two darknesses uh, are akin to one another. And so the dark moon is her time for that reason. What was the most impressive experiences of one of your students? To me, the most impressive results are always sort of the hard and fast things that you can track. There was a, a case a while back where someone's life was really in danger, and, and they credit Hecate with... Um, like physical danger? Yeah, yeah. Very physical, you know, police-involved kind of danger. And, uh, you know, they, they credit with Hecate with helping uh, eliminate the, the danger, the, the dangerous person. Um, you know, other people have used the Hecate work to start businesses. Um, there are several people who credit healings to the work that they've done. Um, I'm very careful about crediting these things just to Hikate or to this work because sorcery doesn't ever happen in a vacuum. And so if you'll notice, I'm very careful to say, well, people credit or it helped with et cetera, et cetera, because I, I always worry when people give the impression of, well, I said the thing, I should be rich now, or you know, but uh, that's not how it worked. However, when people apply the mandala strategically, they have, uh, you know, businesses have been started, families have been started. I use Hecate for this YouTube channel. There you go, and look at you. I mean, you're everywhere now. <laughs> uh, and I remember also like a, a story of one student she used the mandala to help her sister, so it's not just helping herself. One person who I let join um, uh, on a scholarship, and then they went back and they actually paid for somebody else because they were, you know, nearly homeless when they started. Um, 
but I knew that they were a person who was very serious about the work. And then that person who helped their sister, uh, and she gave me permission to, to say this, you know, her sister was homeless and, uh, you know, life turned around because her sister was able to harness the, the sorcery of Hecate through the course. And I'm sure, you know, and, and apply it wisely. That's the big thing. Apply it wisely along with good living strategies. Do you offer scholarships for this course? There was a waiting list that was like three cycles long. And so this cycle, there there are people being let in on scholarship because they've been waiting for a year and a half. Next question. Hi, so my question is um, that I feel like I've been receiving a lot of kind of signs through dreams and just stuff that's happening in my life. Um, like so many different things at the same time that I started researching it and all like keys and black dogs and crossroads. And so when I researched it, it sounded a lot like Hecate. Um, like to the point where I sort of impulsively went and bought this black puppy when I had no intention of buying a dog at all. But anyway, so um, I've been trying to do research um, on her and I guess I'm just looking for some advice or ideas of what this could maybe mean and um, just any advice you might have. Okay, thanks. So, you know, those, those kinds of things... Uh, are great. It's always interesting when signs don't come through like, Ooh, I saw. They very often will come in physical things. Um, and so, yeah, it sounds like, like you're being pushed to work with Hikate um, through my course or through another means. Either, you know, I'm, I'm, I, again, I'm not the only means. Um, but it, it actually... Speaking back to, to Soviet and Mercedes question about impressive results, I have to, I can't believe I didn't bring this up. In the first cycle, um, someone took the course, and I think in like week three, two dogs basically just showed up on their doorstep um, and wouldn't leave and, and hung out. So black dogs traditionally are associated with Hecate, but I mean, I have not experienced dogs or anything like that. And I've also, before I took the course, it's not like I had a vision of her or anything like that. So I don't feel like she chose me. So it's not necessary that you have all these signs, right? No, it's definitely not. Uh, People can choose out of their own interest, out of... Uh, curiosity, uh, you know, out of out of many things, and sometimes you know, sometimes a god or a goddess or a spirit calls you to something, and you don't have to say yes either. You know, I I have a few times felt the call of a goddess or a spirit, and then like, no, too like too high maintenance, no good, like. Don't have time for this right now. That's one of the things that I always wonder about. Like, who would be the ideal person to take this course? I mean, I know that probably I would have been like, well, I don't think I'm that person because I'm not getting any sort of signs from her. I've never even heard of her. Like, this is like two years ago, right, when I'm just starting out. So who should take this course? Anyone that is interested in effective magic and is willing to work to develop it is the ideal person for this course. It doesn't have to, you don't ever have to have heard of Hikate. You don't have to have a previous relationship. Um, What we teach is so different than what has been taught and what is taught elsewhere, that it's not necessarily like a big help if you've got years and years of Hecate worship uh, under your belt. It's it's not going to help you necessarily. If anything, you might have to unlearn a few things or get used to doing some things differently. Um, 
a general attitude of, of like this isn't Jesus. We're not we're not approaching it in that route. I think that's something to really stress here. Like I didn't have any sort of obvious calling from her. And when I started the course, I was still a pretty newbie witch, and I was still sort of in that magic as a psychological model. But I took the course because I thought I needed to learn a complete magical system. Like, I needed to learn something from start to finish, something that was complete, not just a little hodgepodge of this and this and this and this. I wanted to learn a complete magical system. And I thought, okay, worst case scenario, I learn this and I decide, you know what, Hecate and I, this is cool for now, but I'm going to move on. And then I've learned like a magical system. Actually, most of the questions people ask are about, how do I know I should take this course? How do I know if I'm being called? I think people are waiting or looking for signs that they should take the course. Their, they, they, their interest is the sign. I personally took it as my curiosity. I took that as the sign that I should take the the fact that I first of all came across information about the course and then I had enough interest to go on YouTube and look up all the videos about Hecate you know because there's a million other things I could have looked up but I was just like you know what I'm just gonna look up Hecate and see what's up you know what here here's the answer here's the answer to that question you're you're a budding sorcerer or sorceress or witch or magician your agency matters it's not about being meant to do it. It's not about someone, some otherworldly power forcing you to do it or calling you to do it. Do you want to do it? Do you feel called to do it? And, and do you feel up to the work involved? Is it interesting? Is it in line with your goals? Then do it. But people have a very religious idea of, you know, there should be some kind of power that tells them to do it or not do it. It's like, do you want to do it or do you not want to do it? It's as easy as that in a lot of ways. It is just, yeah. it's just that. You know what, like, that's the main thing that kind of, I, I feel that a lot of witches, they're looking for signs from the universe. You know, and you're right, it's about that agency that they want the universe to decide for them. Sometimes you just do it because you want to do it. Just do it because you want to. Just do it because you want to. Yeah. So, okay, like, I'll talk a little bit first about the benefits it's given me. As I've mentioned, it wasn't like Hecate called to me. I didn't see dogs. I didn't see crossroads or keys or anything like that. I was just curious. And I just wanted to learn a magical system. And the fact that it was about seven months, you know, more than half a year, that was appealing to me because it seemed substantial. It seemed meaty. So I decided I was going to try it. And again, I was pretty new at witchcraft. I was still like one foot in the psychological model. Magic is only psychological. What the course helped me with was to get my mindset out of just magic is purely psychological to there must be more to this. Because when you're building that Hecate city or that temple in your mind, and you start seeing results, and you're like, I didn't even believe in this. I just did it, and shit started to happen. And you're like, okay, it, it's just, I'm just going to suspend my disbelief for just a bit and keep working. And then more things happen because the disbelief is suspended. And then more and more, and after a while, it becomes a part of your life, and it becomes a part of your daily discipline. And the more that I learn about magic, the more that I'm starting to realize that magic, a lot of times, is just really mundane and boring. Like, it's like working out, right? I wrote an article about this on Patheos Pagan. It's like mundane. People think that every time you do magic, it's going to be like sparks coming out of your fingers and stuff, and it's not. You just do the daily thing every day. Yep. And that's very helpful because even though it's mundane in the short term, when you've done magic every single day, not just when you need money or you need that guy to call you, but you do it every single day. In your book, uh, the 21, uh, what was it? The 21, the spellcrafting. spellcrafting. Yeah. Yeah. 21 elements of spellcrafting. I think that's the type. Elements of spellcrafting, 21 keys of sorcery. 
Okay, I just call it like the 21 elements of spellcrafting. So, in that book, uh, one of the chapters was talking about how if you do magic when it's an emergency, it doesn't work as well. You know, like you're, you're trying to build a, a magical life so that you don't have that sort of like, I'm just gonna, you know, binge workout when I need to like get fit for like, have a bikini bod. When you're constantly working out all year, you know, it's better that way. Absolutely. And then you can ramp it up when summer comes, but at least you have something to build on. So doing magic every single day, even when you don't feel like it, even if you skip a couple days and you need to do reparations, you just go back to it. And I've been doing this for about more than a year now, I guess, because each cycle is seven months, and I've been in two cycles so far. So my magic, I've seen an absolute progression and an evolution of it. Can I say that I'm like seeing like visions and talking to Hecate and, you know, having the, the super cool stuff like that? No, not yet. Maybe I'll never have it. But my magical practice has been overall positively affected by having a daily practice and having somebody who's tried and tested something for 10 years tell me this is how to do it let's just do it this way for now that's also very helpful too um, because I'm learning from somebody who has the experience and then maybe after I've done it your way a couple times and then when I'm more experienced maybe I can build on that but having the ability to have that foundation that's super key it's like Going like talking about martial arts again and how you mentioned just like learning all the basic moves first. It's like I'm learning basic moves from somebody who's been studying martial arts for a long time, you know. And then it, sometimes you forget to go to the dojo, but then you you come back to it. But the goal is to every day go and work out, and Absolutely. that's to me the greatest benefit of doing. It doesn't sound super magical and mystical and like super like glittery and like unicorn, like whatever. But in a lot of ways, because I feel like we're living this mundane life and having kind of like a mundane thing to do every single day, that makes this a sustainable practice. And it makes it something that's made my mundane life feel a little bit more magical. So it's almost like to become more magical, it had to be mundane. And now it's more magical. When you decided, I want to change. I think I'll move to Bali. It Zap. happened quick. It happened quick. It happened super quick. It happened super quick. And I worked with Hecate about this. Um, and also you made suggestions on... Hecate is not someone you just work with exclusively. Hecate is not a jealous goddess, right? No. I... I work in a in a multitude of different areas and uh hecate is is one of the main things she, her altar never gets put away but um you know i i do work in christian mysticism and i do work uh saint cyprian i have a whole other course called the black school of saint cyprian um i i work still work with buddhist deities uh i work conjure so yeah my hands have uh, you know are in a lot of different pots and uh, hikate is not uh, a jealous goddess who demands fealty there's no first commandment and hikate actually works really well with other gods and goddesses like you suggested that I work with Hecate and Helios together. They work historically well together, too, in the, in the Greek magical papyri. They are the two most invoked uh, powers in the papyri. I know a lot of people are going to ask about scholarships. A shit ton of people have already asked me about it. This, you know what, Calvin? It's at least a year, like two-cycle waiting, at least. So you've got oh, 14 months... Ooh, can I do this thing where I can ask people to put in the comments, like, the reason why they would like a scholarship? And then I could choose, like, maybe, like, two people for you to consider? Sure. Yeah. Sure. If you want to. Of the Witches and Wine Scholarship. Yes. <laughs> 
So guys, put in the comments down below why you would like a scholarship. And I would love to read your compelling reasons why. You feel that right now maybe you can't afford the course, but what you're going to do with what you learn, how you're going to work. And this course is work. And how you're going to work. And what you hope to pay forward in the future if you get a scholarship. And I'm going to choose two or three of the most compelling of the comments and I'm going to forward it to Jason to consider. So, go for it. Awesome! Awesome! Thank you so much, Jason. I'm hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.